Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News. Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Roy Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host for the last 14 years that we've been doing this show, is always here with us and glad that we're and move forward with some information about mastering your balance. We're going to be talking with Bill Leiter about that. This is part of the title of his new book. We always want to bring you people who can give you tools, tips, not only to help you, but to help the people that you lead. And so we've been focusing on this idea of emotional brilliance, you know, our book that Kathy and I co-authored that you can uh, get a hold of at www.eblifebook.academy or uh, www.emotionalbrilliance. And so what are the things that in the moment you can bring forward for you to be your best? really about input about yourself and about input about others. How do you get all that uh, awareness so that what comes out of your mouth is best decisions, best judgments, best strategies? And so without further ado, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Riley. I am very excited to hear from Delighter about mastering balance. It's certainly something I've never mastered. I can I could use all the help I can get these days. I'm sure many of us can. And uh, I'm uh, delighted to be here with you, my favorite co-host and dear friend. And for those of you who are listening, I'm sure you all know that Relly is, uh, is not only a, a master certified coach, but he's a, a psychologist and a team trainer uh, and a very well-respected uh, senior-level coach across many industries, uh, a dear friend and one of my mentors over the years. Uh, and, man, can I use a lot of mentors. Um, <laughs> Relly's written about seven books all on emotional intelligence. As you know, that's a big sweet spot of Relly's, and that, that's also what makes him dear to me. Uh, one of the things that we are both excited about this year as you know, in addition to uh, the book Emotional Brilliance, Living a Stressless, Fearless Life, is we created a platform that also helps you be the best you can be. And uh, the Emotional Brilliance Academy uh, is there for you when you need it. We have been uh, just blowing our emotional brilliance horn across uh, the law enforcement and military industry uh, for the past year, and they are really happy to have us. Uh, we know burnout is really important. That's one of Raleigh's sweet spots in healthcare. And the two of us are fully dedicated right now to getting a mil- of all of our emotional brilliance work into the millions of hands of those who need it in any industry, whether you're working from home, uh, getting back into the office, traveling the world, doing 
your passion. The Emotional Brains Academy has something for everybody. So please go and use it. You can go to eblifebook.com backslash free trial. You can get in there and play with it for a whole week and enjoy it. Pass it along to your friends and our special, special surprise is that we are doing a new audiobook and it will be released just in time for holiday. So I hope you'll engage with us in a more emotionally brilliant life. So Kathy, the other thing for our listeners, if they go to the site, you will get a free ebook, um, the 11 reasons why you need emotional intelligence. So that's something you can share for yourself and also Super. you can pass on to your team. And you know, uh, for the, our listeners, you know, Kathy uh, is well-respected as a key leader it, that she's been doing this work for, for quite a long time, especially, like you say, with the military and law enforcement. She's the author of nine books. You, know, you may know her for what happy companies know, what happy mothers know, and then Fearless Leaders, another really popular book of hers. So uh, without further ado, let me say a little bit about Bill Leiter, Mastering Your Balance, and um, we want to pick his brain uh, to see what are some of the tips and tools that he has for us and also for you as our listener. So who's Bill? He's a uh, seasoned, highly respected executive leader. He's an advisor and a consultant. He's the co-founder and managing partner of uh, Axes, and I'll have to ask him if I'm saying that right, the Axes Group, a consulting company, and he works with growth-minded leaders in organizations that want to propel their performance from exceptional to uh, from acceptable to exceptional. And he's got more than 35 years of experience, so that's we're dealing with a well-seasoned uh, veteran here. Uh, includes being a CEO of both publicly traded and privately owned companies, and advising and consulting to companies ranging from ambitious startups to Fortune 500s companies in a wide variety of industries. And so he and his partner, Jason Thompson, have co-authored the recently best-selling uh, book, Mastering Your ba- Balance, a guide to leading and living at full potential. And it was ranked number one on Amazon for new releases. So, Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Bill, one of the things that we always like to start our show with is a little bit about you personally in terms of what motivated you to get into this business. Who were the folks in your life that helped you uh, get get into where you are right now and become so successful? Well, that's... Um that's a deep question, and and uh, I I migrated from uh, actually being a CPA when I first graduated from college, and found that um, while the numbers are really important, and and I still am conversant with them, um, I I wanted more to do with people. I wanted to really understand and lead people. And I did a lot of training myself in, um, first of all, understanding myself, because it all begins with us, right? And uh, through that, I had you know several guides along the way, influential people, starting really in retrospect with um, a couple of high school coaches and teachers who taught me a lot about integrity 
and um, the importance of having it, the importance of practicing it. And I found that in in business, um, I found that one could lead with integrity, and I always got more fulfillment when I could when I could land in in that space and come from that space, and it impacted the people I worked with and had a greater impact on the organizations that I led. So I just kept building on that, and and we'll get into some of the specific techniques, uh, the what would it take question, which is I was really exposed to in a college uh, undergrad uh, economics course at UCLA, and how that has shaped my entire approach to leadership. But I've had just a, a series of experiences that have just made me want to lead from a people-centered place. And uh, I use that in, in my leadership as an executive, and I use it today in the way we consult. So good to, kind of, to hear that. You know, I think we'll, we have some questions we want to ask about that. Uh, but I think for, for many leaders, this side of it, the people side, you know, I just finished, uh, I supervised coaches um, who were getting certified, and, and part of the supervision, they present a, they present a case. So I just finished that, and one of the cases was somebody who said, you know, the case they're talking about is like, well, all, this, all these people things, I've got to deal with these people. <laughs> and part of the conversation was, which I'm sure we'll get into with you, is so that's your job. That's a part of the job. So <laughs> some leaders, they don't necessarily see that, or it gets in the way of what they're trying to do. Maybe it's a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, so with that, kind of, so say a little bit about, you know, mastering balance. You know, what, what would you say, uh, how do you define balance? Well, balance as we define it and use it, is an aligned state of readiness. It, it makes you highly adaptable to disruptions, both as, uh, as a disruptor and as a disruptee. It, it describes your cultural attitude, your willingness to embrace change, positioning your human and capital resources to execute. It's a kind of readiness that enables you to see and seize opportunities quickly and also to respond to crises before they become too costly. So balance is essential, we think, to uh, healthy, growing companies. And there are six elements of it. Vision, values, values-driven leadership, culture, strategy, and greater purpose. Those are the six elements that comprise balance. Um, they're organic, meaning everything touches everything else. So they have to be uh, well-conceived on their own, and each one has to be compatible with all the others. So vision and greater purpose kind of form the, the, the uh, guidelines of um, of, of where the organization needs to go, where, it's, where it needs to focus. Values, um, your beliefs demonstrated by or defined by your behavior. Values-driven leadership is simply the art of making people, holding people measurably accountable for living your values. Culture what, how, and why we do what we do. 
strategy, the objectives of the organization, where the rubber meets the road, and of course, greater purpose. Why beyond money are you doing what you're doing? What do you want your legacy to be? When those elements are working at a high level, you are able to achieve, to conceive and achieve unimaginable goals. And we have lots of experiences that demonstrate that. So, Bill, can you give us an example of perhaps an organization or an individual leadership um, perspective that you engaged with and saw blossom through these these six elements or even any three or four of them and came yeah, through on sure. them. Sure, sure. So it all begins with uh, our, the, the process of transformation or transforma- transformative leadership begins with a question. What would it take? Uh, I learned that I learned that question in a class in economics, and it was a one-question final exam. And the question was, what would it take to grow the world's wheat supply in a flower pot? An obvious metaphorical question that I thought was stupid at the time, and I didn't realize how profound it was and what a profound effect it would have on my life and my work. It turns out it has neuroscientific significance in that by at, by framing the issue in a what-would-it-take format, we free our egos, we, we release our egos, and we get, it, we get our egos out of the way so we can focus on things that we don't normally imagine. Yeah. So I was working with Beautiful. a large organiza- a large database organization, and they were given a mandate. They were growing. They were successful, growing at a rate of 25% a year, and they got an edict from the CEO that said, next year you will grow your division at 50%. And, Bill, and, I'm going to ask you to stay right there. Don't lose that thought. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Don't go away. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. 
They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with Bill Leiter. His website is uh, HTTPS at... Uh, axiesgroup.com and axies is A-X-I-E-S group.com axiesgroup.com and really we're going to have that right on our show notes so uh, people can go there and get all this good stuff yeah um, so Bill before the break you were just talking about a, a good example about a company w- where the CEO they were growing 25% and then all of a sudden they wanted to be 50% in just a, a quick comment on that that is always so arbitrary that that becomes the reality you know this forecasting of, of organizations the leaders like oh well, let's make it 50% and now that's for a whole year that's people's reality so say a little bit about kind of further with that how, how do you uh, deal with that well, and that's a great point, Relly, because it was arbitrary, and it was, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, uh, how many scotches were included in uh, developing the logic for that, but but um, it, it was, and and um, so when when the head of the division called me, he said, "There's bad news and there's good news. The, the bad the bad news is that my people, all of them, are already working eighty hours a week." Uh, my senior managers are traveling uh, up to 75% of the time. It's beginning to really break down morale and home lives and the quality of living and the quality of work. And I said, well, what's the good news? He said, the good news is that the, there is so much potential in the market that 50% is not enough. We wow. could do way more than that. So, that gave us, that led us to the question, what would it take? And we landed on this question, what would it take to grow at a rate of 100% in one year while at the same time reducing working hours and travel time by 25%? Now, the managers that we presented it to all had the same initial reaction. Are you guys nuts? 
And that's what we expect from a what would it take question. Now, we began to unpack that. And the first thing that happens in those situations is by asking what would it take and then exploring that. We remove all of the confirmation biases, the desirability biases, the anchoring bias, and self-limiting beliefs. And when those leave the room, amazing things happen. So bottom line, I won't, I won't take the time to get into all the details, but by focusing on doing that in a new context, we did not, we, we created a plan, we created two plans, one a 50% plan, which the CEO got, and we had our own 100% plan. We did not hit 100%, but the division grew at 72% with a decrease in working hours and travel time by 25%. Morale improved, uh, turnover was reduced, all the good things that you would expect. Which gives, and Bill, you which, know which, that which leads right, to, this- Oh, no, I was just going to say, you you and I have been around long enough to know that there are so many possibilities for the human mind to experience. And those biases that we inflict on ourselves and our work environments um, are, are so, uh, I, I want to say, uh, confusing for people because they don't know how to stop those biases. And those of us coming from, you know, a a big tech environment, you know, I was with Accenture for many, many years. And one of the ways that, you know, we break these biases is through the balance, right, of monitoring what we know to be in comparison to what we know could be if we just had the right infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. What you just described is well, really powerful. Yes, and, and it, it gave rise to our working mantra, and, and it's this. In order to achieve the improbable, we must first envision the impossible. Love it. So that uh, envision the impossible, and as you were talking about that, in other other languages, yes. you know this idea, the ideal state, and then the current reality. There's a lot of different ways to talk about that. The gap. Uh, Richard Boyatzis, you know, one of the founders of emotional intelligence, talked about the positive emotional attractor, and I think that's kind of what you, in other language, is kind of what you're doing, you know, and pulling them. Uh, forward. It's like a magnetic pull about, you know, who do you want to be? What would it take? What's the ideal state? So maybe, you know, say a little yeah. bit more about, especially around the, the values, both Kathy and I have obviously worked with that with individuals, you know. Uh, so how did you, like, what's the foundation? So if we got the magnetic pull, what's it going to take? What's the ideal state? 100%, you know, reducing uh, some of the other aspects around travel, 25%. How'd you go about that? And then maybe wrap in around the values, because I think for some organizations, that's the people stuff, and it can feel soft um, yes. Yes. You know, when they got all these goals. So I'd say a little bit of how you kind of wrap all that in. Well, well values, values are, I'm glad you landed on that because values are, are maybe the most critical piece in, in all of it. 
So values begins by looking at our vision. And the question then becomes, so what, what values, what beliefs in practice will help us achieve our vision? Now, values neuroscientifically are kind of, um, well, values in, in a non-scientific uh, setting are, are kind of um, incorrect in that a lot of people believe that your values from birth, you know, the ones you get in early age, are your values for life, and they, they never change, and you can't change them, and that's who you are, and that's just not the case. Values are a set of beliefs. They're, they're neither right nor wrong in and of themselves. They're just what you believe in. And you can choose the values that are going to help you get where you determine you want to be. You are not locked into any values that you held before that may be making you dysfunctional or leading you in the wrong direction. Um, neuroplasticity comes into play here where, where the rewiring of our brains so that we can adopt the set of values that are going to take us where we want to go um, with practice and with diligence and with commitment, and they become and, you know, Bill, our living. And I just, yeah, I was just going to say the other thing for those people who are questioning uh, how values change, let me also offer from our own experiences, all three of us, that we know that emotionally wrenching experiences, which many people have gone through in the past couple of years, whether it's COVID-induced or losing family or changing your marital status, whatever it is, emotionally wrenching experiences will immediately change your value set. So there, you know, just for those of you who are listening, this can happen also very rapidly. So, Bill, I didn't want to interfere. I just wanted to give them a different perspective to think about as you're speaking about values. Absolutely. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And so the whole, the, the whole uh, purpose, the whole meaning of, of this, the concept of balance that we use, that we've created, is that the balance provides context. And everything within it is content. When you have both, you have a highly functional organization and highly functional teams and individuals. And when you don't have both, you have struggle, you have conflict, you have uh, less than brilliant performance. You work harder than you than you should to achieve less than you could. And the whole, the whole function of balance is to create that context. So back to values. A couple of the key values that this group um, had in mind was, uh, or, or had formed, were uh, teamwork because they relied on a whole team approach to sell their products and to advise their clients. Um, we focus, When we focused on that, we got rid of a, we were able to drive decision making down into the organization so that senior managers were doing more leading and less doing and people lower in the in the uh, in the in the hierarchy in the management hierarchy were having more challenging work they were able to make decisions on their own they were able to uh, 
make decisions on behalf of the client without having to go through a more bureaucratic approach. So that made them much more efficient and much more effective, and it gave people more fulfilling work. Um, that came into play big time. Their value of integrity, making and keeping commitments and doing the right thing, had them do a better job of taking clients, longstanding um valuable clients who were using technologies that were really outdated, not state-of-the-art, not where they should be, and but they were comfortable. They worked, and they were comfortable. And if you don't know any better, you think, well, that's all there is. So they were able to, by doing the right thing, which meant going through the the possibility of losing clients by asking them to change and spend more money. By overcoming that because they knew they were doing the right thing, they actually gained customer loyalty and made it easier to uh, move clients from data technologies to emerging technologies and be better positioned in their own businesses. So just by applying those two values, they were able to achieve brilliant results. So... Bill, I think, uh, you know, Kathy and I have probably done this in organizations as, as you were uh, talking about right now. Um, how do you go about getting the values? That's on the front end. And then I'm just trying to make this applied. And then on the back end, uh, we can get into how do you hold them accountable. So, like, on the front end, were you working with the executive team? And did they, you know, kind of talk about personal values to organizational values? Like, how did you, how did those all emerge? Well, we started with the leader and, and his direct reports. Um, so the executive team were the early uh, formative sources in creating the values. We looked at values in terms of what values are going to be aligned with and move us toward our vision. Yeah. And some of the values that they already believed they had um, would would continue to serve them well, and others not so much. Now, the other thing that we look for in creating values is make is 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 adhering to a set of values that are behaviorally measurable. So that means that we had to give them definitions that were universally applied and accepted and to which people could be held accountable. Um, so we defined, for example, we defined integrity as making and keeping commitments and doing the right thing. So we had to become a culture of commitment. Those kinds of that kind of that kind of um, accountability is not something that you can you'll, you'll ever see on a management report. You know, live lived our values. Um, it, it just doesn't show up that way. It shows up in behavior, but that behavior has to be universally acknowledged and made part of. Um, it made part of uh, performance evaluations and career advancement. So, 
So when we incorporate those values into those elements, they become even more accountable. Right. And one of the things that I think our audience also needs to understand is when we do this kind of work, it's imperative that we also articulate the consequences for not demonstrating the values. And while we might not take it from a perspective of a consequence, it has to be demonstrated in the way in which our human resources and our, you know, as you're pointing out here, our human performance practices underscore those behaviors. That is so critical, right, to celebrate them and to, uh, to manage them so that those people who, whose values don't match those of the organization can quickly also be identified because it's also part of the process of being compassionate towards those people who can't make that leap and finding them opportunities that might be better suited for them. Right. And a a great, a great example of that is one of the big four accounting and consulting firms uses values in that way, Kathy. And um, their process goes like this. In, in they have uh, in their performance reviews they have two sets of reviews the the operational review um, you know revenue profit uh, client uh, new clients landed all all of the operational uh, criteria that they use to evaluate performance and then they have a separate set of uh, how you lived the firm's values now you get letter grades for each of those categories so. In terms of the consequences, if you score, if you get A's in all the operational uh, review criteria, but you get a B in how you live your values, your bonus is reduced by 20%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's so important and for us it, to recognize, right, how, how we need to manage to those expectations. And that's how I was performance managed for 10 years uh, at Accenture. So I get it. We're going to go to a very, very brief in our final break in the program so we can come back and enjoy the rest of our conversation with Bill Leiter and Mastering Balance. So don't go away. Come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with Bill Leiter, his group, Axies, A-X-I-E-S, group.com. And are you ready for whatever may come up with the pandemic and everything else that we're dealing with? Master Your Balance is the book that Bill and his partner have that can give you some of the tips. And that's what we're zeroing in on. And, Bill, so really around the, the values you were saying about, you know, how do we measure those? And I love the idea of the two different checklists because it's really the leader. What does the leader talk about? And if all they're talking about is the task and those numbers, you're missing the other part of the conversation. So maybe say a little bit of how do you, how do you get these leaders to really take the values, have those conversations when there's always a crisis going on and those conversations about values can take the back seat? Well, um, that that's an ongoing challenge for uh, for most companies, especially public companies, where there is enormous pressure on uh, increasing shareholder wealth. And, and I know, as a CEO of a public company, I mean that that was that question was asked: What are you doing to increase shareholder wealth more than all the other questions combined? So. Uh, and and you know you live in ninety day bubbles with earnings or earnings reports, um, and it's it's very very challenging. So you you have to we go back to how what values you select. 
you have to choose values that you believe in, that you know are aligned with where you want to go and how you want to get there, that you know people are going to be capable of performing to, uh, adhering to, in a way that makes them willing uh, and able to be held accountable. And uh, I don't, I've never found a magic answer to, you know, is there one universal methodology or formula that induces leaders to follow the values? Because everybody's an individual. And as we all know, we all respond to crises and perceived opportunities in different ways. Of course, my, my favorite poster child for how to do everything wrong is Wells Fargo Bank. And I, we talk a lot about it in the book. Uh, they did everything that you could do wrong. They did wrong. And um, it's why they are where they are. On, on the brighter side, I think that uh, a solid belief in what you're doing, uh, faith in knowing that in the long term, living your values is a long term uh, approach, a long term strategy, and it has long term results and implications. So, as a leader, you have to be willing to look past the you know the the allure of the shiny new object, and and look at what is in your long-term best interest, which is the responsibility of every leader. It's a long game. It's not only a long game, but don't you believe that in many of these organizations, Bill, when the leader is truly being, I want to say, managed in a positive way by their board, that they're getting real-time feedback, both from other senior leaders who have industry knowledge, as well as their shareholders and their employees. And I think those leaders who ignore that 360 feedback uh, are the ones that are not going to last in that long game, because if they don't get the messages from that if you will, environment and context for how the values are impacting their stakeholders and associates, uh, I would assume that there is a process for exiting them. Yes. Um, if you have the right board, and, and what by, by that I mean a board that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Right. Um, a board a board that will give you that objective point of view. It's really, really difficult to do. And the stronger the leader, the more likely it is that she or he will have a board that bends to their will. Um, what what I think is a, is a great uh, tool, uh, necessity for leaders to get that kind of message is to have someone like the two of you as their coach, who will provide that kind of outside perspective, that object, that objectivity that they're never going to hear. Every when 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 I was a leader, uh, I was surrounded by people who were really smart and who told me all the time what they thought I wanted to hear, um, and they were well intentioned. 
It was partly respect, partly fear, whatever it was that drove them. I never got the kind of objectivity I needed from the people within the company. I had to find outside resources like you um, to to bring that home and and to and to trust and listen to those messages. And what you're saying, uh, Bill, thanks for that, because I think that, you know, the whole coaching side of this, one of the, one of the interesting stats that uh, I like to share with leaders, the further you go up in your organization, you know, like you're for yourself as a ex-CEO, the less input you have, you know, from others, like you're saying, but also there's research that's saying the less empathy you have. So power mutes empathy. And why do I need to hear from all these folks? You know, I got this whole success track behind me. And so, you know, they become less uh, empathic, which I think the, the, the values are uh, so important because it's, it's a whole nother topic um, that forces someone to, to look inside and say, am I really living by these values? Yeah, 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 and, 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 and well, that was yeah, that was really in, in, incredible for you to say that. And just let me add, we all three of us uh, have been very, very fortunate to work with some phenomenal leaders who are living those values. And I would just say to our viewers, a couple of them that you might want to take a look at are people like Gary Bernison from Corn Ferry. Uh, Adam Cantos uh, from Remax. These are great examples of people who are leading by values. I just want to make sure that our viewers know that there are good people out there doing great things. Yes, yes, there are. And you brought up the subject of empathy, which could really be the topic of an entire show because it it is a a deep and broad subject. Well, that's why you're going to come back and talk about it. (laughs) You're you're darn right. (laughs) I'm going to force my way on. (laughs) So, Bill, in your your book, we have a question that will kind of bring us back to some of the good pearls that you have there. You talk a lot about outsized importance of creating healthy cultures. And so we're taking this values from a leader and moving it towards the culture and really about diversity as a driving force. Maybe you can kind of elaborate on that. Sure. What, what I, uh, you know, diversity is a hot topic right now, but it, but it, it, it ignores the kind of diversity that I'm talking about. What I, what I, emphasize when we talk about diversity is diversity of thought. And that is really, really important and really challenging because it's very uncomfortable for any successful leader to listen to a point of view that they do not agree with, that is radically different from what the organization has been practicing and what it has made, what has made it successful for some prolonged period of time. And to listen to some new, usually new person talking about, you know, entirely different ways of thinking and doing and having the, 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 Discipline, the self-discipline, and the curiosity. Impulse control. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
um, to listen to a point of view that you you just it, it, you, you just can't imagine doing it or 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 seeing it or believing it, and that kind of diversity of thought is what was makes for creative organizations, um, breakthrough ideas. Uh, it can make you a disruptor. And it automatically brings into the fold the other kinds of diversity that uh, are hot-button topics but are pursued perhaps for the wrong reasons. For example, when you talk about diversity of thought, you're oftentimes talking about uh, those, those, uh, that kind of diversity embodied in people who are um, different races, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, um, a whole different way of living and looking at life. And by bringing that kind of thought and that kind of talent into your organization, you open doors that you thought were walls. Um, and, it, it, uh, absolutely. And, I, and, uh, I, I, I just, just can't wanna... emphasize that enough. Oh, yeah. Well, just let me give everybody a quick example of how this works in community policing. So for years, many of these high crime areas had police cars visible with police officers in them, but they never got out of their cars unless they were going to arrest somebody. And now in community policing, the, the value is be a part of the community. So now they park their vehicles and they walk through the community and they make themselves part of the community. They eat in the community where they police. They spend time in the community where they police. They hold barbecues. They do things that make themselves visible as a neighbor versus someone who is simply a peacekeeper. And it makes a world of difference in being able to get information that they otherwise would not have because they were sitting in their car. It's very small things that make a huge impact. Precisely. You're you're giving part of my lecture tonight at USC, Kathy. Thank you. Okay, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my my favorite places because it's where my my father, Warren Bennis, um, spent 99% of his life. So uh, holds a warm place in my heart. He did spend 99% of his life there, and he he was a great man. Yeah. You remind me a lot, um, of him, by the way. For those of you who are listening, you're getting a little spirit here, Dr. Bennis. <laughs> um, that, so, Bill, the, as we the, end here, like, what, what, what would you want to leave us with? Let me say, I, I've been repeating your Axis group. Am I saying that right? Axis group, yes. Axis is a Greek word meaning values. Oh, okay. I like it. So, yeah, it's kind of a you know a takeaway as we're kind of we're going to bring us get just a couple more minutes here. What would be a takeaway? Yeah, we just definitely want to say thank you, Bill. We're going to have you back soon to talk about a lot more things. I hope everybody next has week. gotten some good value <laughs> out of today's program. I'm ready now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can put this into you can put this into your presentation tonight. You're re- you're you're on, Bill. You're ready to go. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. 
We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. 